What up, bros? What up, bros? I like that. It was like a little call. Right? <laughs> like a conk, just a... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and welcome to Brown Meets World. Well, it's Brown Meets World. Your boy Meets World fun cost. I'm Siege. And I'm Tony Curtis. How are you, sir? I'm, do- I'm doing really well. And... I'm so excited about this. Uh, I, you know what? I have to say, I am. I was thrilled when I can't when I realized what we were talking about this specific episode because this is one of those episodes I remember watching live on TGIF. Like this is like I remember exactly where I was October 1998 Ooh. watching this episode. Like I just it really brought back memories of like my viewing experience. So. That was cool. I honestly, like, so for me, (laughs) it is, it's so interesting because for most of you have been listening, I go into this blind. Like, I haven't seen it since I was a child. And this hit me across. I was like, what is this episode? Who wrote this? I have, I have so many things I want to say to the person who wrote this episode. Uh, First being, thank you. Uh, (laughs) But then also... It was just like it came out of nowhere, and I, I, it was funny because there were like moments we have our little pattern. And I was like, "Oh, this will be my bra moment," or "This will be my bra moment," and then something happened. I was like, I literally yelled, "My God!" <laughs> like, like... <laughs> <laughs> so well, there were so much too, where like the show did something, and I was like, oh, "I don't know how I feel about that." And then like five minutes later, they'd be like, "Actually, that was like there on purpose to show like." A lot yeah. of being learned. And I was like, oh. Exactly. Okay. This is so. this this felt like the most needed self-aware version of Boy Meets World that we wanted to have. A hundred percent. Perfectly. Like, like this episode is like, oh, this is what I thought I would be getting from Boy Meets World when we started this podcast. Like yes. I thought that we would be doing episodes like this on a regular basis. A hundred percent. And we aren't, but like this is like the best version of that. But let's do our uh, morning announcement because we've gotten feedback, uh, kind of like still responses to our whole uh, poll that we did on uh, Maitland Ward's character, Rachel, going out into the basement. And there's lots of, of course, feedback about uh, the actress um, actually entering into the adult film energy. Someone pointed out that she actually wrote a book. Um, and I, I haven't read the book yet, but they, they really encouraged us to read that book and then just see her opinion of it. I think that she's also, I've been told, doing a adult film parody of boy meets world soon amazing so i mean i think all of the Mm -hmm. i again you will not get me to judge anyone in the adult film industry because that is an art form and um it is actually like a a challenge (laughs) in and of itself it's work but i'm also thinking it's very interesting that she is kind of like taking ownership of both her past and her present and i'm sure there are so many trolls and and uh, people who have opinions so I just wanted to like you know actually applaud her for for that yeah okay so I just looked it up and her memoir is rated x how porn liberated me from Hollywood um I just I just found a quick article about it and she she goes on to say that everything to do with my storyline was kind of sexual and no one tried to hide it Oof. there was always an undertone or in the window some jokes that 
junior high boys might make as they compared dick sizes next to each other in their locker rooms. So, I mean, she has a very clear opinion about how her character um, was treated. She goes on to say, uh, Rachel was the only character to consistently take her clothes off. Um, I was asked to try on lingerie for the producers in this all in their office. This happened more than once. So, yeah, see, exactly. And that's exactly what I kind of expected. Um, and wow. especially if, when we get into this episode that we're coming into, um, I'm, I'm really happy that she is like, I don't want to say self-aware, but like that she's calling it out, yeah. so to speak, because I think as we watch it so far removed as two men, <laughs> we, yeah. can, we can be like, yo, I mean, I get it, but like, <laughs> this is a little much yeah it's a little much and i will say that it feels like it's like the show is responding to it in a certain way i i, I don't know I, I, we'll just have to see how how it plays out but the fact Absolutely. that she said that this kind of kind of happened throughout her entire duration of the show is kind of really telling as well the last thing that i wanted to say um which i feel will be kind of related uh related to this is a very long time uh listener um by the name of Bonnie. I'm just, just keep it vague. Hi, Bonnie. Uh, but, hey, <laughs> long time listener, uh, a fan of ours, Bonnie's asked about um, the, they wanted to know how we felt about the relationship of Corey and Sean, something that we've been talking about, but they were saying there's this idea of like going back and listening to both our pod and pod meets world, this kind of like tension between Corey and Sean and their relationship and how, you know, like the, it, it always did kind of have that like homosexual undertones to it. But now like also we have like these kind of dynamics between Eric and Jack. And I don't know, like we're two men. Like, what do you think about the idea of like, of course, having two friends um, be very close to each other, but like it seems on this television show, they really don't know how to blur, like marriage those two male characters without making it kind of a tension as well. Am I making yeah. sense? Yeah. And, you know, I will have to say that, like, I always read Sean and Corey's friendship to be more brotherly than anything else. And that in direct comparison to Jack and um, Eric, who have a ton of like underlone undertones going on there. I never really read that. But, you know, I will say this, that listening to Pod Meets World, it's apparent that Ben and Ryder didn't immediately hit it off. And like, it kind of took a little while for them as actors to kind of build a bond. And so maybe part of that was just that like their chemistry kind of evolves with the show. And mm. we're just kind of picking up on those, those that chemistry kind of developing. Mm. That, that, that can be my understanding of that. But hey, this is just my opinion. That's that's very interesting. And I, I love that you said that. Um, because maybe that is what we're we've always been picking up on. It's like, oh, we're seeing people actually grow and get close together. And like <laughs> like as viewers, we don't know the behind the scenes stuff. So we're like, oh wow, this is really starting to click. And they're like, oh yeah, same. They they feel the same. Uh I always say to me, because even when we do like clip shows or any kind of look back, there is kind of comparing Corey and Sean's relationship to like a married couple yeah um, but i think that that to me is more of the dynamic there it's like they're more of a married couple and they have that intimate 
that level of like intimacy whereas with eric and jack that's where we get like more of this like almost like they're like a dating <laughs> you know you know what i mean <laughs> well yeah totally and we we kind of have to also put things in perspective from a time period because like we always kind of mentioned like in the 90s there weren't really a lot of examples of two male friends having intimacy in a way that wasn't compared to a traditional male female relationship so it was one of those things where i think they were kind of like limited in their time period like when we get to the to the 2000s when we get to like shows like scrubs and Psych, yeah. the things that we always kind of re reference as like the after the the uh the spawns of this boy meets world bromance yeah um they don't really get into it like that. And I don't feel like they have to because there's this understanding that, oh no, two men can be friends. And part of that is Joey and Chandler. Part of that is Corey and Sean. Part of that yeah. is these friendships that happened in the early uh, 90s where like they played as almost husband and wife, but really it was just that bickering of intimacy was the only way to communicate to the audience that these people have like a family-like relationship. And so I, I think that has uh, a bit to play. I love a that. bit of a role to play I, as well. I love that that analysis. Okay, so uh, thank you guys for taking a little moment for us to do more in an announcement. Now let's get into this episode. Yeah, I love All right, this you episode. Did you, okay, you yeah. Tell me about it. All right, <laughs> tell us about it. Oh, Corey is mediocre, but no one ever told him. So now it's time for him to insult his family and steal Morgan's time to shine. Ooh, very, very, very well done. And oh my God, so much to say <laughs> about this. Okay, uh, thank you guys. This is season six, episode five, Better Than Average Corey. Uh, after Corey is introduced to art prodigy Alexandra Nikita, he develops an inferiority complex and blames his lack of skills on his average father. In a B so storyline, Eric and Jack compete for Rachel's attention again. <laughs> yep. I actually, so for those of you who don't know, I usually grab like these kind of story synopses from Wikipedia. And I love that it just straight up was like, Corey has an inferiority complex and yep. we got to deal with that. And so like that. And also I love that it's called better than average Corey. I was like, is it, is he, is it better is at it? all? <laughs> Um, first impressions, let's talk about it. Just the first. Ah, my God. My first impressions of this episode is that uh, it really, I'll say this, it impressed me. I yeah. was like, from the very beginning, when Eric, not when Eric, when Sean and Angela come in, and you know where I'm going with this, where they're like, hey, Sean got accepted to, um, photography program his photography program and i was like oh we're bringing that back i love i actually just loved it because i was like so often especially with this show they'll pick up a thread and just let it die so i was like oh well, they i mean actually, they they, they do, do it do again that. they <laughs> yeah. will do it again but just to see that kind of thread and be like oh wait sean is still pursuing the thing that he was sure. supposed to be pursuing that was actually kind of refreshing and i was like oh yeah. applause and then they were like, Angela got an A on her paper. <laughs> Maintaining, go ahead. 
maintaining black identity when you have three very white friends which by the it. way i was as soon as i heard that i was like i need to read this essay also i feel like that's kind of the show i needed growing up like i wish that was a show in the 90s because <laughs> that would have been really helpful <laughs> yeah absolutely like i think I, like we could talk about it like because this is you yeah. and me and i think that that is one of the things that i love the most i was like I love the self-awareness. I don't know yeah. who was responsible for writing that line, but you understood that that person understood. <laughs> yeah. And just like, again, like not glossing over the fact that Angela is black. Like it just, this like blind colorism thing was so popular at a time where it was just like, well, no, at the same time, like this woman has an identity. We talked about this with the purse episode. Nothing in that purse felt like it belonged to a black woman. So it was just the fact that they're actually like saying like, hey, we're not completely blind to this is refreshing. It was very mm -hmm. refreshing. And I was just like, okay, I, again, in the beginning, I was watching this and I was like, I like this. I'm here yeah. for it. Um, I was a little confused why we were on a field trip in college. Okay, all right. I, I have to talk about that too. And you know, I we kind of I kind of already gave my first impressions at the beginning of this episode a little bit, but the the main takeaway is that I really enjoyed this episode, but there were some things that were just kind of like a back and forth. And one of it was the fact that last week, last week, I went and found the IMDB air dates. We were at October like 13th we're at October 23rd this week one week has gone by since Dean was like Feeney I would really prefer you as a colleague instead of a student this motherfucker is already leading a field trip why why are college students on a field trip they don't take field trips in college they tell you hey go to this museum and write a paper about it what are we doing here on top of which you made a very good point um the school year has already started what happened like this what's going this, on like <laughs> i know they take that away Feeney, someone's class and give yes yeah it had to happen because we know how hard it was for Corey to change class that's what i was gonna say that's exactly so feeney must have took someone else's class that they just all happen to have had together oh my god this is so ridiculous <laughs> you write up a really good point because you're right like had they had like feeney's come to term moment either at the end of the semester or whatever like that was like also it's not hard to have Feeney still be in class and be on the field trip with them like we've established that Feeney was taking courses with them how hard would it have been to have literally one other character play the teacher and then Feeney's there like it wouldn't have, have been the dean crazy. come back and have Feeney be with the kids just doing like a, hey we got to sign this assignment we're at this museum bam we're ready to go that makes Absolutely. so much more sense <laughs> but no we're just gonna gloss right over feeney back as a teacher boom he, he took someone's tenureship i don't know what happened but like <laughs> i know I what happened it. i know what happened with him and the dean that got him that job <laughs> Ooh, look at feeney mm -hmm. is there okay. a mr gump mrs gump <laughs> That is such a you reference, and I love it. Okay. Oh, my so, God. So, uh, I thought that was amazing. Then, let's talk about, we're do uh, one we haven't really had to do in a while, but let's do a roll call. Oh, a roll call, yeah. Alexandra Nikita. So, um, Alexandra Nikita is a real-life artist who yes. plays a cameo as a child artist prodigy on the show. And the thing that was always so funny fucking hard for me to accept about this episode when watching it live and re-watching it is this thing of just like 
Oh yeah, her and Morgan are the exact same age. <laughs> I love that you said that. I love that you said that. This because she was Alex- like, "You have a sister my age," and I. By the way, we haven't seen Morgan in like a while, so I'm like, "Oh, okay, we're gonna see like teenage Morgan." Like for some reason, that's in my head. They show a ten year old, <laughs> and then a sixteen year old, no. and then they're just no. like, "They're the same age. They're they're practically they're the same twins. age." She looks closer to Topanga than she does to Morgan. And I like, I have to throw this out there. The thing that bugs me so much about this is at the museum, Corey insults Alexandra to her face. Little girl, I'm 18 years old. Was I too mean to the little girl? But just the mention of, oh, I have a a sister your age. Oh, I'll come home with you. (laughs) Why? Why did you just come home with this man? Are your parents not involved? You're apparently 10 years old. So like, what's going on? Where are your parents? I love that you said that because later on in the episode, like Alexandra is still at their house. And I was like, what is going on here? You were just on a tour of like your (laughs) your work. And now all of a sudden, like you were also, Morgan says that you were on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Are you not like doing the press junket? Like what what is going on here? Do you have responsibility? Do you have an agent? Who is responsible for you? (laughs) (laughs) It's just insanity it well i will throw this out there and this actually blew my mind Mm -hmm. that despite the height difference morgan is actually two months older the actress is two much older than the actress who plays alexandra really so they are the same age they actually are the same age uh lindsay ridgeway i think it is is the actress who plays morgan um she caps out at like five feet tall She's just ah, a shorty. So, they're, so like, they're the exact same age. They really are the same age. It's just that I think Alexandra is tall for her age and Morgan is short for her age. So like it doesn't play on screen at all. But like, how give old, her an apple do you box. know how old they are in... You know what? I, I do not know how old they are. Um, in this can, episode. I, in this the episode, reason, I... Yeah. No, no, I don't. All right, I'll give you some time to look that up. But I'm only asking because like maybe... Is it the fact that they they're having Morgan play such a like the thing is they infantilize Morgan so often that we the audience don't know how yeah old. that's and that's one of the things I I wrote down that like you have no idea that her and Alexandra are the same age because as soon as we're introduced to Morgan again this chick is still coloring at the kitchen yes. table like she's been doing for six seasons straight like how is this the same girl who is the same age as this otherworldly Rosie O'Donnell? start like how are they the same age why would they have her coloring at the table like and maybe her, please that's that's the thing for me it's like so first of all like egg on my face they actually are the same age uh and they are 13 13 they are 13 and that's what i was gonna say the thing is if they are both 13 they have given morgan no indications that she's 13 there's no. no indications that she's entered like her teenage years and so that's why it's such a shock because Corey was as... making out with topanga by the time he was 13 that's what i'm saying like there is no indication that morgan has actually aged in any way shape or form as far well, as I can tell, she's like still eight years old. So yeah. it just it's such a kind of shock to the system. Totally. Because they don't even say like, oh, they don't even acknowledge, oh, we are the same age. Hey, yeah. you're 13, I'm 13. They just say you have a sister my age, and you're like, so am I, 
yeah what what does that mean where are we at and how old are you like yeah. <laughs> the other thing okay so the other thing that kind of bugged me about that um scene it, just while we're there is sean <laughs> shows up to the matthews like hey core what you doing i'm like he doesn't live there anymore. Why are you showing up to the Matthews house in the middle of the night just being like, oh, Cor, you're here. What's up? We have, uh, we'll go there. You, you went a little too fast. I'm and sorry. I go I'm back sorry. No, no, you're fine. Because we were talking about Alexandra. And the whole thing is, let's talk about her entrance, which is, again, you have, I think that it's very interesting that Corey gives his interpretation of the art piece. And A, mm -hmm. it's wrong, which is, there's something there's something to be said there about white men who speak very confidently about things they know nothing <laughs> about. Um, but the idea that uh, Alexandra would come up and be like, actually, this is what the piece is about. Again, she just doesn't look anywhere close to her age in this. Mm -mm. So the I, I was like, is this just another college student? Like, right. Thank you. Yeah. Like she just doesn't look 13 which is fine but the the story and the script clearly understands that she's 13 which means Corey speaking down to her even though it's equally bad it actually makes a little bit more sense because sure. he is seeing someone morgan's age but as a viewer i'm like why are you speaking like this <laughs> to any woman like yeah, you know sure. like <laughs> and you that's why to have... me it still works because i'm like who are you like now you're insulting your one of your peers and calling her little girl. Yeah. Like even if she was 15, 16, who are you? But go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I had the same issue watching the new Orphan movie, which I recommended as homework last <laughs> week. Um, simply because they use a 30-year-old actress to play a 10-year-old girl. Um, you you really kind of have to just like make that switch in your brain. You have to have a little bit of imagination when you're watching, especially if there's a scene right before they have the talent show. And I'm not gonna skip to it that scene, but they're just they're standing right next to each other. And I'm like, dude, just put her on the box, just put her on the soapbox. Like, well, how hard would it be to make the height difference a little less distracting so exactly. that we can pay attention to the story absolutely uh but um going back into it the what i thought would be my bra moment is Corey's just kind of like demeaning of this stranger that's like just stranger and then the i got your nose and i'm like what again mm -mm. <laughs> This would be inappropriate in any situation. <laughs> yeah, because again, to your point, it looks like he's t playing I Got Your Nose with a college student. Like, yeah. that's the only, like, <laughs> visual I have. And it's just, it it's weird that, like, Feeney's, like, participating with his bullshit. Like, oh, give her her nose back, Mr. Matthews. Like, what are you doing? It is and it isn't. <laughs> because, one, there's this moment where corey goes and says to sean am i average sean goes oh, what now and i was like yeah. that, that that's just kind of like is the feeling of this entire episode everyone is done with corey's bullshit and totally. there's just like this moment where even feeny is like you know what go ahead you do you <laughs> not only is everyone done with corey's bullshit but it just also feels like and i kind of said this in a previous episode that Corey's just getting wacky in college, right? Like, he's just getting so much sillier than we've seen him. Like, when I think about the episodes that we had last season um, with, like, everything that happened between him and Topanga and Lauren, like, really dramatic storylines, I just haven't seen a super comedic, wacky Corey in a really long time. And sometimes the way he acts wacky feels out of place for his age. And maybe I'm, like, just 
like he's 18 like he's an 18 year old kid like i have to remember he's a kid but sometimes it just seems like it's kind of odd how wacky he is and cartoony he is compared to how the show has painted him in the past few seasons i don't know i feel like this especially for someone who's been like watching this show i felt like this episode like i said it gave me what i wanted in terms of the show itself just kind of felt like they were being like, yeah, we're doing this again. Yeah, Corey's doing this again. Corey's behaving sure. this way again. It's just like he's, he's making everything about him again. Again, Yeah, like, like it, it literally just felt like whoever wrote this episode got it. And they're like, yes, this like, isn't it frustrating how people like this, white men like this, yeah. just continually feel entitled and emboldened to be this way again and again and again and see nothing wrong with it yeah like again from the very beginning i will say one of the first people who acknowledge that this is just kind of like a pattern is sean mm -hmm. and they're just like you know what oh god we're doing this again <laughs> sean's like well we i outgrown this <laughs> my favorite was sean telling topanga like oh Corey's in there kind of like searching through the caverns of his soul and topanga's like no not the caverns <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did that that was funny she's like oh again all i'm saying is this episode seemed to be a little bit self-aware in the sense of who they were dealing with and the type of person Corey is yeah Corey does kind of have these identity crisis moments um it's very common for him but when he does it's none of it's like really based in logic it's just kind of based in drama that he's created for himself um, always yeah which is why Feeney was like i'm just gonna sit back and enjoy this yeah uh, i i uh great in this episode because uh, i i love that Feeney um at the art gallery and throughout the whole episode people are just like Corey you're great at a lot of stuff and he's like like what and everyone's like <laughs> don't press me on this <laughs> don't press me I'm not supposed to lie what, what tell me what to do <laughs> because this is a show of the 90s and Corey is our protagonist it still features Corey and they don't know how to do this episode without focusing on him but it's also very interesting in the sense that they realize that Corey's the least interesting person of their cast. They they did such an amazing job, because you're right, because this could have just been a recycled episode of Corey relearning a lesson he's already learned. But because they double down and they make a joke of it, because they have him saying, my room is a shrine to my mediocre life as he leans against a poster of celery. <laughs> yeah. Fucking incredible. Like, that's the self-awareness that you're talking about, where they're yes. just like, no, no, we know that we've done this. We know that he's mediocre, but we're going to lean into this. You got a trophy for going to fat camp? You were never fat. What's up? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, really <laughs> call him on everything that made him feel like his mediocrity meant something. Just, like, call him out on it. And I just love it. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I do, like... I would say you mentioned Scrubs earlier, and I think that in a different episode or in a different time of television, we would have gotten the baton handed off. We would have learned, this would have been a Morgan-centric episode. They yeah. would have been like, yeah, we acknowledge that Corey's not really bringing anything to the table. Let's go adventure with other people. Angela's writing this really interesting paper. Let's go see <laughs> yeah. what she's up to. Sean- Morgan got can sing. Yeah, exactly. Find like, that let's, out. Let's let's do these things, but instead it becomes an exploration on it becomes an exploration on white men blaming other people for their mediocrity. And yeah. 
I'm so excited to talk about. I'm here for this conversation. I'm here for it. And they handle it really well. That's the thing is that like, I have no notes on how they went about handling Corey's issues in this because everyone's just like, you're privileged and we're going to call you out on it. Because ah, midway, God. and well, I know we're not there yet, but midway through the episode, it takes a shift from I'm mediocre to, hey, check your privilege, appreciate what you have and appreciate how hard your generations of family have worked to get you here. Love it. Like, it's just a great pivot. So I know we're not there yet, but I just well, like, actually, like it handles it really well. Let's move there. After we've just invited this stranger over to the house whose parents apparently have no problem with her going home with strange men that she met at um, the 13 at year old, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> she just met at the random uh, museum um, and didn't even go back with Corey and Feeney, just went back with the 18 year old a uh, college boy back would make more parents. sense to go back to Feeney since he lives there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, now that we are back into the house, we do get like this exploration of Corey and the family and Corey not feeling like he's exceptional. Well, he, he goes as far like the thing that the shift that happens is like he gets mad at his parents for not like helping him become a prodigy in his own right. He's like, yo, why didn't you guys keep these ukulele lessons going like i could have been so by the way when yeah. sean and Corey come yep. down the stairs yep. going there. and there's this moment where Corey's like i could have been a ukulele star and you never supported me or something and sean plays a little ditty on the <laughs> on the ukulele and they give alan a mischievous look i'm like uh, their chemistry has come so far like they are their timing is so great in that moment absolutely because again in that moment i love that you called that out because in that moment what we're seeing is sean being like yeah it's one of those moments again yeah it's that kind of episode guys i'm here and for alan this. and alan and amy are like are we doing this like and they're like oh Corey's having one of his moments and everyone yeah. seems to be aware of it. And I just thought that was amazing. Also in that scene, I just wanted to point out if we're talking about consistency, what is Sean doing in that scene? Do you know? Sean is eating pudding, which goes back to my whole thing of Sean would be enthusiastic about Corey bringing in a trunk of pudding to college. Like the wow. idea of like, I just wanted to call that back because when Corey was like, hey, I have a whole trunk full of pudding. They had Sean be like, I'm too cool for this. And I was like, no, 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 no. The Sean that we know would be down <laughs> for a trunk I, full of pudding. I, I also think the show thinks it's like, maybe this is like the actors having fun with it, but like when they don't have lines, they're just like eating a random piece of food. Like, yeah. banana boy, you're promoted. Like, that kind yeah. of shit. Like, <laughs> I think they just have fun with food props. <laughs> they do have fun with food props, but I just wanted to point out that Sean loves pudding and and i was right to call it out but anyway you're right you're right okay so we're at the point where like Corey is like <laughs> confronting his parents about his mediocrity and here's the thing i want to say before i beat up Corey too much about like being mediocre and like expecting his mediocrity to take him places in life like I do feel like the reason why the show kind of resonates this episode is because there is a very human aspect of did my parents set me up for the success that I feel like I deserve in life or the success I want in life was I properly set up 
to be my best self by my parents. And almost like this little bitterness to like, oh, they didn't invest in lessons. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Like all these like things that like comparing yourself to other people. I think there's something very human about that. And I feel like I'm not mad at Corey for having some of these instincts because they're instincts that I've also had from time to time. Like, did my parents send me to the best schools? Did I get the best, like, you know, healthcare? Like all that shit. Like, it's just questions that I feel like are normal to ask, especially when you're 18. So that's why I'm like, I, I give Corey some shit, but at the same time, like there is a purpose to this episode, which I feel like is, is played out really well. Absolutely. I was going to say, I completely agree with you. I watched this episode being like, oh no, I remember that moment. I remember being like, oh, you didn't encourage me to stick with the piano. You didn't, uh, let you didn't encourage the strings to make me a better version of this why didn't you and as you get older you're like oh because you were tired you had yeah. other things that you were doing and you're only human and then if i didn't want to do it you weren't gonna fight me like when he was like why didn't you give me a paintbrush when i was two she's like you were more preoccupied with the potty and yeah that, that was important to you that's what you wanted to do and yeah. guess what i did i had a two-year-old and a young Eric. <laughs> like, that's yeah. why. <laughs> the Eric was in the dryer. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I think it's very, as you said, it, it is very much almost a, a milestone in growing up of being like, hey, my parents didn't do everything that they were supposed to do to help me be the best version of me. But what happens is that Corey takes it a step further. Oh, uh, as he always does. Yeah. Great <laughs> up disrespects. Yeah. Like, like, first of all, let's all right. So for those of you who have watched the episode, um, you will know that there's this there's this moment in this scene where Corey goes, Why didn't you help me be more and better? And Alan goes, yeah. better than what? Like, Alan's literally like, better than what? Like, what do you want? He goes yeah. better than this, and I was like, "Whoa, yeah, that's <laughs> that, the that enough. That that enough." I was like, "Whoa, yeah," and I thought we were good there. And then Alan says, "You mean better than me?" And I was like, "Oh," and Corey goes, yeah. "Yes, <laughs> better than you." I was and ready I to was... be average because you're average, bro. I was like, "What?" I literally screamed. My fiance came from the other room and was like, <laughs> "What is it?" I rewound it and played it again, and he was like, "Damn!" <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's just and it's, worlds. Wow. It's worlds apart from the Corey Allen relationship we saw in season one, where like. He saw his dad like working and fixing the sink. And he was like, oh, my dad's my superhero. Like there was so much respect and appreciation he had for his dad. And for him in front of Sean, by the way, who was raised in the trailer without a family to say better, obviously better than this shit, better than this house, better than this life. I was just like, wow, like you're really just lacking so much self-awareness in that moment. Corey's lacking of self-awareness is another thing I wanted to applaud this episode of. Yeah. Because A, it is very much Corey to be this bold in his audacity. Yeah. And I was like, also, this is very, very much a moment that I feel could only happen on this show. Because name another show at this time where the TV dad would allow you to just disrespect him in yeah. this way. 
I was like, I was thinking, I was like, Tool Time wouldn't accept this. Danny um, Taylor like, would accept that. I feel like he's taken a few screamings at by his girls in, a, in his episodes. Maybe I was. Uh, Danny Tanner was literally the only other one I could think of. Yeah, but Uncle Phil ain't doing this. Like, <laughs> Uncle Phil would never. <laughs> Uncle Phil would fucking never accept this. <laughs> the, like that's what I was like thinking of this, and I was like, in what Claire world? Huxtable wouldn't accept oh, this. Claire, that that was another thing. I was like, oh, we <laughs> she wouldn't even accept you talking to the dad. Like, if she would have stepped in, Amy being like Corey, I was like, mm -mm. Mm -mm. not the Amy I know. No. Who are you talking to? Yeah, exactly. Like, first of all, like in my house, why your friend is eating my yeah. food? <laughs> you're, you're still living. You're still upstairs in our house talking shit about it. Get that celery poster out of here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, it was amazing. But then also, again, if you want to go, like, I, I want to get back to Alan, but the next scene or whatever, we're back in Corey's room and Corey's mm -hmm. like, he understands that he's going too far now. He didn't stop himself in the moment. Which I appreciated. I appreciated that moment of like, I said something, I went too far, and now like I'm I'm remorseful. Guilt I'm trip. ruminating about what I said. I'm realizing that I hurt my parents' feelings, which is a hard thing as a kid to come to terms yeah. with. Like I liked that he had that moment of realization. It very it felt very similar to I hit my dad. Yeah, in the in the basketball episode yeah. that they had. Yeah, and also to that point, I will say I'm looking at this as a thirty something, but there were times as a teenager where I did say things that completely hurt my parents' feelings, and I said oh, so unapologetically yeah. because in Same. the moment I was angry and I did feel vindicated. So I guess that's also very true. Um, but I feel terrible for some of the things I said to my single mother who was working her hardest, right. just being like, why right. couldn't you be better at this? Like, yep. what the dude, shut up. Like, and, and it's those things that you don't think about when you're, you're a kid. Cause you're very selfish when you're a kid. Like that's the thing, like we give Corey a hard time with, but his selfishness is innate to adolescence. Like it's part of it. Absolutely. You're in your own world. Absolutely. And I think that I love that we're having this conversation because as upsetting as it is to watch, it is very true. And I kind of I kind of want to give the episode credit for showing both sides of it, both yeah. showing Corey having the audacity to say such a thing, but then also showing how his parents feel about what he said and their response to it. Like there is it is complex. I wish it was done like a little bit better, but I do think that it's the idea that they would even show both things is kind of really revolutionary. Yeah. And you know what? One thing I, we kind of skipped over, I just want to mention it real fast, uh, is that I love how the progression of Corey's motivation was he was comparing himself to peers, not feeling like he was where his peers were. And because of that came self-doubt, which then came to like resenting his parents. But the initial thing that caused it was he was like looking at this artist who was a world-renowned artist at the age of 13, which I also think is a very human moment like i feel like every now and then i see those memes online about how like oh michael jackson made thriller when he was 25 years old and then i turn 25 and i'm like oh i didn't make the biggest album of all time like what am i doing with my life like i feel like that's a very normal thing to feel for me it's the whole and i think we've said this before it's when i realized i was too old to be on the real world that was where i was like 
Oh. Never wanted to. But <laughs> yeah, but like I should still have the option. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I like I'm older than anyone on the real world. I'm older than anyone. Like when you watch yeah. reality TV shows now, you're like, oh, like that's why you're doing all these things. You're young enough to go on a reality show. <laughs> like Yeah. And and even the like the 2020 version of this is just like social media. It's comparing yourself to friends. It's comparing yourself to young prodigies like these celebrities and musicians who are achieving great things at a young age, athletes who are getting multi-million dollar deals when they're 23 years old. Like it's a hard thing not to ask that question sometimes. So I do appreciate this show kind of showing a version of that and showing how it plays into Corey's evolution in this episode because it actually is kind of a really cool story arc of I don't feel like I'm as good as this person. I don't feel like I like myself. Oh, who's to blame? My parents are to blame. No, I'm to blame. I need to respect what what I have. Like, it's a great arc. That arc, absolutely. But I do want to say, I don't want to gloss over the fact that there is some misogyny also. It's not just that it's a 13-year-old prodigy. It's that it's a 13-year-old girl and and the reason yeah. why i say that is that they make it very clear in the beginning that Corey's like oh this little girl yeah like, and it's, there's so much time spent on the fact that alexandra is a young girl and that Corey hasn't done anything that he felt like his sister could be this person but the sh- again, the show does a great job of like checking him, of just being like, oh, you think you're going to talk down to this little girl? She's achieved more than you fucking ever will. Like, I love that. Like, they did a good job with it. But then also you get where it comes from because there's a moment where Alan is just like, you think that uh, Alexander doesn't feel bad when there's like better pain. And you're like, yo, yeah. this is a guest in your house and you're insulting no. her. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's this idea of... A, we can't escape it and i think it's really important there is just this moment of the white male ego being <clears throat> needed to be checked sure, and sure. i think that um the, the privileged white male ego on top of well, that like yeah and I'm so glad that you brought up the privilege aspect because in that scene when they're back in the dorm and Corey feels bad, Sean's like, I told my dad he was average once and he was thrilled. And I thought that even though that just plays as a joke, it's such a great way of showing perspective, of showing class differences, of showing how like to Alan and his dad to be average was a dream. And so to say that to Chet was like a compliment, but to say it to Corey is an insult. Love that. Absolutely. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about this entire episode is for those and for some context, everyone has to understand that like this is something that a lot of privileged white men were dealing with. It's the whole point of Fight Club and Office Space Mm. and The Matrix. You have all of these well-to-do white men who were like, ah, I've made it. I don't have any other real complications other than the fact that I'm wealthy and white, but I'm not as wealthy as I could be. Mm. I'm not as great as other people seemingly are. And this achievement of not having to struggle isn't enough. And yeah. like you said, there are people like Chet where I I laughed because even though Chet isn't in this episode, the mere idea of Jet chat being called average and him being thrilled i could see Maybe it in so my happy. head yeah. and i loved it because chet would absolutely love he would absolutely yeah. feel like 
he has accomplished something. I by... still remember his performance. Um, the actor does such a great job, and we see him in a few episodes again too. But um, his performance when he becomes janitor and he brings home his paycheck for the first time, and he's so proud. I'm just like, yes, of course he would be thrilled to be called average. Like that makes sense for his character. I love it. Absolutely. And so I thought that was really, really great. But I also like have they don't really go too far into it. But mm -hmm. there's this moment where Angela is like, hey, and I'm like, oh, here we go with the black people making white people feel better thing. But they also like give her a cat where Angela's like, look, I'm just trying to make you happy. Yeah. I'm like, don't me <laughs> I don't know this. what to say. You know what? There is something in that scene that I, I wanted to say, which was that Corey's lamenting to his friends about how he hurt his dad and what he's going through. And he's like, you guys all know what you're good at. And I have no idea. But the problem is, is that we don't know what they're all good at. Sean apparently is good at photography, but he ends up becoming a writer. Okay. Um, Angela's good at good writing. At being black. We, yeah, <laughs> like, like, good, yeah, like apparently, like, are we supposed to believe she's a good writer because she aced an essay? I just thought they were complimenting her good grade. That doesn't tell us anything about her. We still don't know what any of these people are majoring in. We don't know what Topanga's good at. She's good in academics, but that's really broad. It's really yeah. vague. So yeah, it's right. like, like Corey is looking for his moment. purpose and these kids don't have one either, really. So what's the problem? Corey was looking in, like, for me, it was very interesting because, um, as you said, I kind of expected them to, like, list off the different things that Corey thought they were good at and they don't. And I was like, okay, so where are we going? Like, like yeah. what, what is this? But I also love the idea of them going to be like, hey, you're going to go and apologize to your father because that's exactly the type of person a you are and your father is. So you're yeah. going to go apologize to your father and your father's going to forgive you because that's also one of the ways in which you're privileged. You're privileged enough to say something like that to your father and walk out with all of your teeth. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> and Alan's well, the type of person who... Uh, under will understand you and that's not something that everyone has and that makes you above average yeah um, but then they open the door and alan's just there and i was like i also like that like again after well, that did not watch this episode i was like or did, was not aware of this episode i love that alan was like no 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 i'm not waiting on you you're coming with me we're solving this right now which is honestly if you remember back exactly what he does in the Rage and Corey episode he's at Sean's apartment he's lamenting about hitting his dad and he opens his door and his dad's there and it's like you're coming with me and they end up on the plane so it is this habit of like like this it, and again it's it's almost like I don't want to beat the show up for like showing us patterns because in a way showing us similar struggles over and over again is how we understand the relationship between Corey and Alan. This is how we're understanding their relationship to be. They like each other, they get along, but every now and then, Corey steps too far and Alan has to check him. And I, I appreciate seeing that from a, a son-father relationship on, on a, a sitcom. Yeah, no, and again, and I, I like that... Alan takes Corey to his old neighborhood. And there we finally see Philly. We finally <laughs> see Philly. <laughs> I don't know what set this is, but it made it look more like Philadelphia than anything else in this fucking show. What's interesting is, hey, I felt like we've seen this block before. I feel like there's like a moment where it's either 
outside turners or it's, it's something to do with sean i remember that no moment. i think it was the boy meets real world episode of season five where they're like oh this is the apartment me and jack lived in together yeah exactly and we were like wait you guys live in an apartment together what's the history like we have all these questions about exactly. time exactly that that's that's what i wanted to talk about i was like i knew it looked familiar but either way there is something because Every now and then the show is like, oh, hey, we've actually gotten a glimpse into Alan's past. Mm-hmm. And I remember Alan's mom being just kind of a wanderlust and him not being able to rely on her. Sure. Alan having to go into the military in order to pay for college or school. You know, like there is this whole thing of like, we have very interesting characters with mm-hmm. Amy. And we just don't really get to live in them. But this is a moment where I'm like, oh, yeah really do love this idea of alan being like no this is where i'm from like the fact that my son can feel like i've he's so average he's never had to worry about things in his life that he just takes it for granted i mean i guess i did my job but also at what cost i was like yo that's very very that's such a deep concept coming from a parenting perspective of you want to give your kids more than you have but how do you do that without them taking it for granted how can they appreciate without having the compare and contrast of i didn't used to live in a big house but now i do when they've lived in that house their whole life like it's hard it's a hard lesson to teach and him taking you know Corey to this old place where his dad used to work giving him some insight on the history is how you can overcome that But it was just, it was really nice to see the show tackle it and to see Alan going about doing it the right way. Just being like, hey, you think middle class is nothing. I want you to see what middle class looked like from here. Like, this is exactly, Exactly. Because that's the thing. Like, you and I have talked about this. Like, the idea of, like, them having that house. I mean, like, his own friend is someone who's very, very much like, yo, I I dream of having what Mm -hmm. you have. I dream of having what you have with your family, having what you have in terms of lifestyle. Like, th- that's another thing. I was looking at this being like, Corey's not paying for college right now. Yeah. Corey, like, Corey is on scholarship or his parents are paying for him to be in college right now. Uh, Sean is the one who actually like, yeah. has to pay to be there. And Corey just takes all of that for granted. And it's really just amazing to have the show acknowledge that and be like, hey, by the way, this was someone who was raised as a privileged white guy, and he's taking that for granted, not realizing literally everyone else around him does not have the same story. And it would, it honestly would have been really interesting. And I know the show only has so much time, and I really do appreciate how they used every minute of the show. So I know there's like limitations, but it would have been interesting to see the perspective of Topanga, Sean, and uh, Angela saying, like, hey, let's actually give you some perspective of how fortunate you actually are. Let's give you some perspective from us. Angela and Sean, our parents are broken up. Topanga, like, I don't live with Her my parents. parents. I don't see yeah. it. Like, I, they didn't even come to my graduation. Like, like we could talk about how you have so many, like, great things going on. And from the perspective of his friends and his peers, it would have been interesting to hear that. Even if Sean just said, like, one or two things of just, like, I, I, would, I would kill to have a, a my own room where I can hang a celery poster, like something like that. Like it, it's meaningful to these other characters, but we don't hear their inner dialogue about it. A room to go back to. Like yeah. for me, it was something that I, I very often think of 
is the fact that like my childhood home isn't there anymore. Like I don't say like, I don't have a childhood home to go back to. So same. the idea that Corey does like um, my fiance recently had to sell his parents' home and it was such a big thing for him. And I was like, yeah, but like, do you realize how great it was that you could revisit that for so long? Sure. Like, yeah. It was something that like I can't do that. Like, and this is something that a lot of people especially black and brown people just never get the opportunity to do they don't have like a childhood bedroom to go back to and the fact that your parents still allow you a room a space that something that gets to maintain as yours well into adulthood is unique it, and it's such a I, I like I'm sorry I know this is kind of separate from the story but I'm so glad you brought this up because sometimes like when life gets hard like there is something in my core that's like oh I wish I could just go home like I wish I could just yes. go to my home I wish I can go to like my like high school bedroom essentially yeah. and just like have my mom make me dinner and just like things just be like okay for a little bit but like I have no childhood home to go back to my mom exactly. has since moved that all my memories of that place are gone as with many black and brown people we didn't own we rented so we stayed yeah. in a lot of different places i have a yep. lot of different bedrooms yep. and so there's no like like home base and like exactly. that would be like such a privilege that i didn't even consider until you mentioned it like wow like how cool would that be for for sean to have like oh i'm gonna go home for the weekend i want to like sit, sleep in my bed for the weekend he doesn't have that Corey does so exactly. it's it's interesting it, and I think to kind of like tie it all in together, I think what this episode is showing and, and what this episode is doing is that there is something just, there's something in the air at this point in time in the 90s where being average is an insult. And it's like, no, I, I was like, Corey's like, when he has that moment in the kitchen, he's like, you made me average. I was like, well, you're an above average asshole right now. Like, like yeah. if you want to talk about not being average, this is above average assholery. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this idea of kind of shitting on the progress your family has made and the privilege that you do have. And instead of kind of appreciating it and wanting more there's nothing wrong with being like hey i want to be the best version of myself but there is something wrong about shitting on the circumstances that other people dream of achieving 100 percent. and i i will say this that is kind of a job for parents to teach their kids because kids aren't going to learn it by themselves so like as much as we want to blame Corey, clearly this is the first time alan's taken him to this place he probably should have taken him there a long time ago i was gonna say it, it does remind me of there's an episode in uh mad men where don takes his children who up until this point have grown up in a very privileged um situation he takes them to his childhood home to kind of let them understand where he's come from yeah and i i thought of that moment and i do think that like one of the things that's different is usually families of color you never are not aware of that because your parents are constantly telling you or constantly showing you like whether it's relatives extended family or yeah. your own parents you're constantly being reminded of the sacrifices that had to be made in order for you to have the life that you have yeah 
I, I was just going to say, I feel like every person of color and every immigrant like family in America has this thing that just is constantly told over and over again that like, hey, people had to sacrifice for you to have anything, which I have to say that like, if you're a white male, maybe that's not a lesson that has been taught to you or, you know what I mean? Or maybe this um, idea of American exceptionalism kind of bypasses the struggle of it all. But there is a moment where like, like with Corey, where he gets checked in a way that I feel like a lot of privileged white kids get checked when they go to college and they experience uh, experiences outside of their bubble. And unfortunately, that didn't really play a part in this story. But I feel like that's the the link I've seen in my real life is just like leaving your childhood home, going to a college, going to a new place, being exposed to new ideas, and then being like, oh, maybe I did have a really privileged existence. So absolutely. Like, because again, I think what's also very true to form is Corey's behavior when he is visiting Alan's old neighborhood. Yeah. just Corey's kind of like scared and he's skittish and it's just like, oh I yeah when alan's like touch it get some dirt on your hands like come on like stop be like don't pretend like you're too good for this because i wasn't your my dad wasn't like i love that yeah absolutely and I, I i really do even the more that we talk about it the more i'm like oh yeah this is also like a rite of passage for someone who has grown up privileged um in any way shape or form where you're like oh this could all be taken away. And I do think that um, the thing that's kind of different about our generation and millennials is we are the first generation to where you may not be better off than your parents. And that's just yeah. something that for the 90s, that was taken advantage of. It's like, oh no, you are going to, you're going to be better than your parents and you're upset that you aren't already better than your parents. I mean, even for millennials, like even middle-class uh, millennials will, like I have a ton of friends who had a childhood room that had a house that they grew up in, but after 2008, yeah, like they, they, the house was sold. So it was one of those things that like, even like the most, like what we would probably consider in the nineties of privileged kids, like they've had their struggles too in keeping up with what's considered average in yeah. the nineties. So it's actually funny. Just kind of to this note is I was listening to something the other day that was talking about how the Simpsons has been on so long that class of people don't even exist anymore. No. Like, yeah. The blue collar worker who supports a family of six, he has mm -mm. him, his wife, his three children, and his father all staying with him. And yeah. he can support on that one salary. That is impossible right yeah. now. And I think it's amazing to to kind of see the differences in generations and to see someone like Corey kind of take it for granted. And I like that this episode really does for, for its time check him. Um, a hundred percent. I, I want to quick, I know we're kind of like taking up a lot of time, but do you have thoughts on the talent show? Can we talk about that? Um, there are a few things I have on the talent show. One is that there's this moment in the, beginning where we haven't seen the acts there's this you know mm -hmm. i know right. exactly what you're going to talk about yeah there's a moment where the principal comes out and he's like we've seen this we've seen that we've seen okay let me see if i could because i was like what am i the double jointed plunket twins and alan stands up and is like a standing Whoa! ovation and i was like okay so there are a few things we need to talk about here. One, yeah. double-jointed Plunkett twins 
would only get that kind of reaction because the idea that they are double jointed and twins again you have to know the context of what we're trying to do it's yeah. alluding to sexual it's it, it might as well be called two girls one cup like it just it, yeah. like it writes itself like it's so like and here's my question this is a school function right this is for children we just established that morgan is 13 like look what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> Who is he applauding like that for? 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds? What are we talking no, about here? I don't here? care what age group we're talking about. Alan, what are you doing? <laughs> in front of his wife, in front of his daughter, in front of his whole family. Like, come I was on, like, Alan. Whoever wrote Be better. That, whoever wrote that like did did not think one second about what they were actually saying and i love amy's reaction of just like oh alan <laughs> i was not over kids uh, god yeah exactly <laughs> so there's that then there's this idea of we've seen talent shows on black shows yeah and you're like oh we about to get some we about to get a moment like to yeah. this day tamara mowry's talent show of i'm going down i'm going down she kills it it's a, it's a, I mean, there's so many great music moments on like UPN shows of that yeah, era. Like exactly. Moisha has a ton of them. Like so the Parkers have this, some great ones. I just knew, we, I was like, it's gonna, it's not gonna be what I need. It's not gonna give what needs to be given. Well, hey, hey, hey. All right. In all fairness, I'm not expecting Morgan to carry the seasoning of Sister Sister or Moesha or the Parkers. But I will say for a 13 year old, she has a great voice. She sang a tune. She, 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 like, for a child to sing, it's not easy. And like, it's not. I, I give her her flowers. And I also can appreciate that we are in this episode alone, we've aged Morgan so much. She's gone <laughs> from coloring to, oh no, I actually play video games. Also, I like to sing. And also I'm gonna sing in this talent show. It's a lot all at once, <laughs> but at least we're getting some development with this character that's often forgotten about. I didn't think about it, but you're right. It's almost like they aged her in front of our eyes <laughs> in order to be like, hey, like, it's like one of those things every time we check in on her, she's a different age. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were like, and we're just gonna, and now she's 16 and that's what she will be. <laughs> yeah. But they also did her wrong by having her close the show out. Like, yeah. I mean, come on, when beneath my wing, she's 13, you're gonna have her follow the double jointed twins and the flamethrowers come on come on like... she's no chance it does feel like the show is like incorporating and i've kind of talked about this before incorporating the personalities and traits of the actors into the characters and i feel like we get that here with Lindsay and her singing we're also going to see that with writer and his poetry later on where they're just like oh we know these actors enough to where we're going to pull some of their personalities and intertwine them and, and her singing kind of feels like that um although i will say that both for the actress and the character of morgan the moment stolen by Corey immediately and, and like, i'm very upset with that i was like again yeah. he just can't seem to not make it about him like every single turn Corey the character makes the situation about him and it's just one of those things where it's like it's kind of grating and it's kind of annoying because this would have been a great opportunity to let literally anyone else shine. And the fact yeah. that he he literally shoehorns himself as the main character is is yeah, grating. And it's like it's kind of I, I feel like that's probably the weakest part of the episode too, because like I 
even though I do remember this scene and I remember laughing about it as a kid and thinking it was funny and everything, like it's kind of a weak resolve for how strong the episode is leading up to that. And like, I actually feel like that you could have done without that performance and just had the the conversation between Alan and Corey afterwards, which was just like, hey, like, like, I'm sorry that I blamed you for my life circumstances. I realize it's on me to find my own purpose and meaning. Like he didn't have to steal Morgan's moment. They could have just had that conversation and been fine. So absolutely. All right. Um, do you want to hit on the B storyline at all? Um, I, I I just have like a quick overall. Like I we don't need to kind of break it down really because it's we've seen this storyline. We've seen Eric and Jack try to hook up with Rachel and this storyline Eric doesn't even want to leave to use the bathroom because he's afraid that these two are gonna immediately start having sex I guess Jack proposes to er uh, Rachel the moment she go he goes to the bathroom she starts choking he does not care and continues to hit on her um he saves her life which is anything a human would do for another person. And then they posit this theory that I've seen in so many sitcoms, so many cartoons, like I'm sick of this trope of you saved my life. So now I owe you like servitude. I owe you something so big, whatever, you, no questions asked. And I'm just like, dude, this is such like a male fantasy trope of just like, if, if there's anything, and I mean anything I can do to make it up to you, it's, what are we doing? By the way, he almost let you die because he was too busy hitting on you. That was what I was like, there's like again i'm just like as you said it's male fantasy because i'm watching this being like he almost let her die because he's too busy hitting on her and ignoring all of the signs and she's still grateful she's still like oh my god i owe you everything like yeah I was like, this is so ridiculous <laughs> also Although are we I supposed to believe say, that when eric comes out of the bathroom he sees jack railing rachel in the middle of the kitchen like what are we supposed to believe he is seeing that's upsetting him so much i will say him being like she was chucking to death <laughs> i did laugh also i will death. say that will fordell looks so fine in this episode Ooh. Hair is, it, that i was i had a turned on by turner moment i was like wow I'm the hair it's like giving everything it needs to give so this is like prime eric for you wow this okay is prime eric right now and i would think for a lot of people that hair is doing what it needs to do it, it definitely and i think this is the last season we get the hair so appreciate it while you have it yeah um, exactly yeah so later on eric's anxiety is out of control because he feels like jack is going to ask rachel for a sexual favor that he feels is going to she's going to agree to and it's going to happen right in front of him i don't know why and then again this is why the story is so meaningless that we don't even need to like talk about it jack jack asked for a pb and j and eric's like why didn't you ask for anything more sexual and he's like oh i respect her and don't want to take advantage of her and eric's like oh yeah i respect her and don't want to take advantage of her too only for the episode to end with him trying to con her into kissing him yeah so again it's i don't i don't even know it just feels like it's just all of this like web series type stuff you know what i mean yes it's just like, total web series stuff <laughs> it's like we didn't need this like yeah if, like why don't you just have this be its own little thing and what or like give some more meat on the bones like yeah for eric to constantly be like oh every week he realizes that he respects rachel it's just like okay <laughs> <laughs> eric straight up says to jack he's like Jack says, I don't want her to feel like she owes me anything. And then Eric says, then why did you save her life then? <laughs> why would you do that if you didn't want to get something 
out of it. I don't understand. Uh, again, it's exhausting. And I feel like, again, I'm Alan. It's like, what now? Like, are we well, doing this, this is, again? <laughs> this is Corey and Eric both being taught lessons they've already learned and just repeating the behavior over and over again. Like, that's the thing we're seeing. They're both being really wacky. And they're both, like, saying, like, Eric, relearning I need to treat Rachel like a person that I shouldn't take advantage of. And Corey realizing that the world doesn't revolve around him. Like, it's the it's a, it's a thing. And at least this and episode, they have more fun with it. I will say, at least this episode, they seem to, they also seem to be tired of it. Like, the yeah. actors, the script writers, everyone's like, yeah, we're doing it again, huh? Like, <laughs> yeah. And at least it, I will say that compared to earlier episodes this season, it does feel like, Jack and Eric's behavior is being called out a little bit more and just being like, like, I don't think we would have had a moment in episode two where Jack's like, oh, I respect her and don't want to take advantage of her. Like, I, I appreciated them throwing that in there and then just kind of reiterating that they do have respect for this girl, despite the fact that they're tr constantly trying to gaslight her into sex. So exactly. All right. So a little bit for th those who know how I feel about Jack and Eric. I do also feel like there's the moment where Eric is pretending to be dead mm -hmm. or whatever. They come in and uh, Rachel's like, I don't know CPR. Jack, do you? And Jack's like, oh yeah, I know CPR, baby. And they go and then, of course, there's like this gay panic moment. But I will also say that I was like, it kind of would have been great. Or this would have been like, again, I kind of like, I kind of want to uh -oh. just kind of like ended a little bit earlier you know like instead of the, just your gay panic, cut right as eric yeah. is uh, jack's going in for the kiss yeah yes yeah. uh, wow okay i think we've said everything we could possibly say about this fucking episode absolutely all right so uh bra moment what what will you say is your bra moment <laughs> gosh you know from? <laughs> I honestly didn't really have like a hardcore one that really stuck out. I think if I have to choose one, it's going to be Alan applauding the twins at the children's talent show. Um, that's probably going to be my bra moment for this episode. That inappropriate. Also very true. It was definitely something that kind of like took me out and I was like, why are we doing this? No. Uh, I thought there were a few contenders, but I think that's the one that I was going to choose as well. Okay, uh, what's the Feeny lesson of this episode? The Feeny lesson. I think that the Feeny lesson of this episode, completely ignoring the B storyline, which I feel is ultimately irrelevant. Yep. Um, the realization that other people are going to accomplish things on a different timeline than you. And sometimes you have to learn to be okay with that. And you have to find a pur a purpose that means something to you and not what's meaningful to other people. Like, I feel like there's something to that. Like, that's what I mean. That's There's something to this episode where there is a great lesson that's being taught in there. Um, it kind of gets a loss every now and then because there's a lot of wackiness but i feel like there is something to like finding your purpose and feeling comfortable with where you're at with yourself in your life so i think that's the that's kind of like what my feeling lesson is going to be something along the lines of being appreciative of where you're at and how far you have come as an individual mm -hmm. and valuing valuing your own talents and not blaming others for you not being where you want to be like <laughs> Yeah. It's just kind of like a if you want to be better, then that's your journey to figure out. But a don't devalue where you already are, and don't blame others for you not being there. That's yeah. kind of like cool. 
where I saw it. Yeah. So, so a little like wordy, a little complex, but uh, well, you know what? It's great to have a complex episode to talk about. Like, it's great to actually like, this is the first time this season where I felt like, wow, this is a good episode. This has meat on its bones. This is the show that like, I wanted to have a podcast about. And yes. I don't know how many episodes we get this season, but like, I'm appreciative of this one. <laughs> No, and that's what I was saying, because you had told me earlier that, like, you're like, there are all bombs from here. And I was like, oh, really? But then I watched this episode, and I was like, oh, this is this is kind of what I want every episode. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think they're all bombs. I just think that, like, there it becomes, as the season progresses, it just gets more and more absurd and more and more off the rails. So I still feel like we're on some kind of track, but, you know, once we get to some of the... I mean, at a certain point, they recreate the entire Truman Show with Eric just trapping Jack and Rachel into a room and filming them. It gets wow. I yeah. totally forgot, but also kind of remembered this. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Something to look forward to. What yeah. letter grade are you giving this episode? You know what? Honestly, I'm giving this episode an A. I I really genuinely enjoyed this episode. I would rewatch it. I would show it to people if there was like a um. Like, oh, I've never seen an episode of Boy Meets World. I would be fine with them watching this one. That's good. I'm I'm not going to grade it as high. I feel like there is a lot of filler. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like like the talent show, the Morgan being friends with this Amazonian 13-year-old, like, yeah. all of it, I'm just like the, as we said, the B storyline. Because of that, I'm going to give it a B plus. But I loved everything that I loved about it. Like everything sure. that was good was great. Uh, it's just that I, it had a lot of fat. I, I do think I have a core memory uh, stored away somewhere of watching a TGIF promo that specifically featured Corey singing in front of Morgan. Like I that scene that we were just like, why is this here? I think that was one of like, oh, hey, we need something for the promos. Like the show needs to be a little sitcom-y to sell it. And I love that you <laughs> said that because there are moments where I do watch, especially now, and I'm like, this feels like a promo moment. This feels like they wrote this in in order to, like, have something for the trailers or have something for, you know, it didn't feel like it was necessary other than a studio head was like, we need this moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Homework. Let's talk. I am so excited to talk about homework. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but uh, I don't think so because it's a show that I picked up while we were on our hiatus. And I have you ever seen the show Reservation Dogs? Oh, I saw the pilot and I really enjoyed it. I didn't. It watch, is, I didn't get into the rest of the show, but I did see the pilot and I liked it. That show is another one where it's like it's such a good show. Really? They okay. Do, yeah. Like, if we want to talk about again, like people who like their goal is to be average. Like one of the things yeah. about reservation dogs is it shows um, indigenous uh, natives of the U S and on a reservation and what their life, like life is like, and what their story is. And it's something that I never thought of, Yeah. but like watching it and watching their stories. It's so it's both a love letter to indigenous culture. And while at the exact same time, telling their struggles and the kind of position that the u.s has put them in and sure. it's it's not judgmental at all and it's for me it doesn't feel like at any point in time 
it's taking advantage or kind of misrepresenting. Yeah. All of it's done with respect, but all of it's also kind of done with an honest lens. And I okay. just appreciate it so much. And they they handle really kind of heavy topics such as wanting, you know, like like how indigenous culture deals with death or how um poverty or any of these things just like the weight the mental weight of being in a position uh and a status where the country kind of doesn't care about you sure then also they'll do something like they have like a uh indigenous rapper and it's just (laughs) like it's this idea of like you know the the age-old story of someone who was able to find success by um leaning into this one trope but then leaving and leaving everyone else behind and what that's like um Mm. it's really really funny but like also that person even though they left the community they still were a member and so they're a hero in the eyes of the community because like oh you you left and you became something i don't know there's you gotta watch it there's really really complex things but they're great characters and it's just like to me one of the best versions of a modern sitcom that's that sounds awesome that's a a great recommendation it definitely inspires me to jump back into it because what i did watch i really enjoyed um and i feel like i've had that a lot recently where i've watched like a few trailer like a few pilots and then for whatever reason i just got mixed up with other stuff and didn't revisit so i'm definitely going to revisit that one yeah um my homework for this week i started watching welcome to wrexham have you seen it i have no idea oh wait is that the one with um So Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds and, yeah. and Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, um, they in real, this is a true story that during the pandemic, they bought a Welsh European football team or soccer team, yeah. um, knowing nothing about the sport, knowing nothing about anything. Um, and they made a documentary about it. And it's it's in like a few episodes, it's on Disney Plus and Hulu. And honestly, it's one of the most heartwarming things I've seen. Like everything I loved about Ted Lasso, like this is like the real life version of this. These two guys are so likable. And like when they've honestly made me care about soccer when I never cared about soccer, if that means anything. Like the way that they pitched this show was Rob McElhenney, who plays Mac on It's Always Sunny. He's like, I love Philadelphia sports so much. Like the Eagles, everything, like, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was one of the top three moments of my life with my kid being born and getting married. Like, and only real sports fans will understand yeah. that. Yeah. And only real sports fans will understand that it has nothing to do with the sport. It has everything yeah. to do with the camaraderie of the town and your family. Yep. And when I saw how passionate these this town was and this these fans were, that's what brought me over is that they reminded me of Philadelphia. And like, when you see like the half the show is about like soccer, but half the show is about what this town like how the town depends on this team to do well and yeah. like learning about the rules of of european yeah. football like of yeah. like i didn't realize that if you're playing in this league you if you don't pay what play well enough you could get kicked out of the entire league yeah yeah what a Actually. crazy concept can you imagine yeah. if, the, if the lakers didn't play well and then they ended up having to play for the minors like it's an insane I actually concept think, i actually think it's a fantastic fantastic so we, we're a manchester united family here and so i definitely am well aware of like how european football works and the premier league versus yeah the, like all those other things and it absolutely is very amazing but also it is very much life or death over life or death 
it's like very very serious i i, um, I highly encourage you to watch the at least the, the the pilot or the first two episodes because there is a game where like they come in and they've been on this losing streak and they basically tell the team and the management like hey guys like you have to win this game or we're gonna have to make some changes and to see like what that means to these individuals who have been playing in like a fifth relegated league they make like thirty thousand a year like this is how they support their families and they have to play for their life it just the stakes are just out of control so like i i just got swept up into european football and just swept up into the show and i just i really enjoyed it and i just i encourage people to, to jump into it because it, it's one of those like i feel good stuff that i there's not a lot of feel good entertainment out there it's so funny no. because i didn't watch it but at the exact same time i felt like a i felt like it was echoes of ted lasso yeah but then i saw something i think maybe i was like at the gym or something and i was like oh is this like a documentary like i thought it was like a sitcom but when i watched yeah. it work, i was like oh i feel like they're playing themselves i don't know what's going on here yeah. so just to hear you talk about it that's very interesting and then also just a little bit of a tangent i i too feel like it would make American football so much more interesting. I, I love the concept of basketball, I, everything. I, Just love, throw it I in think there. I think it would a I think that it would kind of break up like these monopolies that yeah. we have, which is why they would never do it. But then like this idea of like, oh yo, in reality, like if there were certain teams, like there are certain minor league teams where it's like if you had the actual chance to make it into the major, your your whole team your whole franchise has yeah. the opportunity to make it into the nfl i feel like the stakes would be a lot higher and everyone in the u.s would be a lot more involved like right now if your yeah. team is doing well or not you don't really care you're like oh you know it is what it is but if you're like yo if they don't make this game they're out of the nfl yeah yo i'm watching <laughs> i'm watching i'm watching it and i again i love the just the concept too of just like you know, there's 23 year olds who are getting these multi million dollar deals. It's like, well, okay, that's interesting that someone got 42 millions for the next six years. But what's more interesting is that if they don't finish this game well, they're going to make a million dollars less or however the difference yeah. is. Like their pay actually depends on how well they perform. Yeah. That makes the stakes higher. So, yeah. Uh, 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 again, like I, I got really wrapped into it and I highly recommend it because it was, it was a definitely um, an easy watch as well. Okay, cool. That's great to know. You guys, let us know what you think about that homework. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Brown Meets World. We highly appreciate it. Keep giving us your feedback. Keep reaching out. We love, again, I will say now with Pod Meets World, we're getting a lot more enthusiastic and yeah. uh, we're having a lot more people like kind of discuss with us. And so we are very happy if you are joining us for the first time. Uh, continue reaching out at Brummeets World on all of the channels. You can find us on at Brummeets World um, on Spotify, iTunes, all of the places, and mm -hmm. email us at World at gmail.com Guys, remember we're doing video episodes on YouTube as well, so make sure to like and subscribe and to share those as well, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, any other news? Anything else we should tell them, Siege? I think that we should tell them to dream. Well, I mean, if they're going to dream, then we should also imply that they try. Uh, but that would involve them doing some good. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, you heard it. Dream, try, do good. You heard it from us first. Dream, try, do good. <laughs> Later, bro. Later, bro. When the spawn meets world.